Hello, this is John Byrne for AML Conversations. Uh, welcome to a special edition. And typically, as you know, we have uh, somebody else introduce the uh, segment before we go into the interview. But this time, I thought it was important um, that uh, I tell you a few things about the interview before you hear it. We just returned, several of us from AML Source. we just returned from the 16th annual Puerto Rican Bankers Association Conference on AML, a two-day program in San Juan that covered a lot of important topics. But one of the topics that it covered that we're going to mention today is uh, human trafficking. I was able to sit down with a, uh, a real leader in creating tools to deal with this horrific crime, Angel Wynn Swift. And Angel is the Vice President Compliance and Financial Crime Solution at Enigma. Uh, Enigma Technologies is based in New York. And I thought it was really important that we sit down with Angel and talk about the STAT program uh, that she's been instrumental in creating that Enigma is, is supporting. And STAT, as you'll find out, stands for Stand Together Against Trafficking. And it's a collaborative tool that, among others, other things, is designed to uh, disrupt the finances that obviously underlie human trafficking. And so we sat down and talked a bit about the tool, but also the issue, and a little bit about Angel's background. So uh, the reason I've decided to do the intro here is because uh, we did it in uh, a very loud area. Uh, it was during the conference. Uh, it was hard to find space that was completely quiet. So you'll hear a lot of background noise. We did our best to sort of mute muted as, as we could, and um, the interview comes across hopefully uh, loud and clear, but also there is, some, there is some back noise, so I want to apologize for that. I do typically try to do these podcasts in different settings that, uh, that don't allow extraneous noise, but you know, occasionally that's been an issue we've had to address. I think many of you uh, hopefully heard my interview a couple of years ago with a reporter for the Fiscal Times, and we had a lot of banging going on in the background, that kind of stuff. So it, it does happen from time to time, but I wanted to apologize in advance, although listened, obviously, to the entire interview. Uh, you're going to get a lot of good information from here and a lot of additional information we're going to provide for you on our AML RightSource website. So sit back and enjoy our interview with Angel Wynn Swift. So for those that have listened to the podcast before, uh, most of the time I'm able to do it in a somewhat isolated area, so the sound quality is amazing. I want folks to know, before we even get started, uh, those of you that are sports fans know that the week before Super Bowl Sunday, they have something called Radio Row, and there's tables and tables and tables of uh, local radio stations and experts and players, they, they jump from table to table, and so you'll hear us some background noise. Similarly, while this is not the Super Bowl, we are at the 16th Annual uh, Association of uh, Puerto Rican Bankers Anti-Money Laundering Conference. They've done this, again, for 16 years. We are in San Juan. Uh, my guest and I, tomorrow, uh, during the conference, are going to do a segment on uh, human trafficking. But I thought this would be a really good opportunity to talk about that, but more importantly about a project that uh, Angel Swift is with me uh, and her team have created called the STAT program. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you some ideas about um, how you can learn more about it. And then we'll talk more generally about the horrific uh, problem of human trafficking. Hopefully those of you that have listened to this program before know that we did, a, uh, we did an addition of this last year with two staffers from Polaris. And the Polaris Anti-Trafficking Group went through both 
the issues of sex trafficking and labor trafficking, and so hopefully you have a, a base knowledge of that now. So um, with that, uh, tell me what, Angel, what STAT stands for, and describe it, and then let's, let's talk through how it's relevant to this, uh, as I said, this horrific crime that sadly has been with us since the beginning of time. Yeah, so um, STAT stands for Stand Together Against Trafficking. Um, it is a platform that will facilitate and hopefully increase and grow the ability for financial institutions, law enforcement, uh, and nonprofit organizations to share intelligence um, on financial indicators. The main goal um, of the platform itself is really just to have a space where people who are fighting the crime from a financial um, aspect um, and have uh, some sort of investigative role, that they have the tools um, and the information at their ready um, so that they can better, uh, in inside financial institutions, may, um, create monitoring scenarios, um, better investigate and identify instances where trafficking could potentially be occurring. So you, you've been involved in this prior to coming to your current company. Give us a brief description of Enigma, but I also want the folks to hear about your, as they say, your previous life in the AML space and how uh, that brought you not just to Enigma, um, which I'm definitely interested in, but also to this issue, which this is not your first rodeo. You've been involved in anti-trafficking for quite a while and this seems to be almost a culmination based on your previous knowledge, your previous work to something with a company that was very interested in doing this and thus the STAT program. Yeah, absolutely. So Enigma is a data technology company. Um, I specifically call it a data technology company because its focus first and foremost is understanding data. Um, and the, the kind of general philosophy behind it really is, you know, in order to be able to understand what data is telling you to understand kind of the types of intelligence that can truly surface, you have to understand what it is and how to basically use it. Um, so as a data company, um, the very first goal was to explore the hypothesis that there's a world of public data out there and available, um, most, mostly in government form, right? Government, uh, state, state government, federal government, they've published tons and tons of data for various reasons. And if we can just get it to talk to each other, um, we can learn a lot about different trends um, and we can start to really help find solutions uh, and answer really difficult questions. Um, and so the company in that exploration needed to and wanted to develop its own technology in order to pull all the data together, to collect it, and then to create um, a, an ability for it to talk to each other, an ontology, similar structure, and so on. And so in doing so, they created this data technology company um, and as I'm kind of talking about, you know, the problem, which is how do we get disparate data sets to be able to actually surface insights, um, it really lends itself to the problem we see in anti-money laundering programs inside financial institutions quite, quite well. Um, before Enigma, I was at American Express for close to 10 years, um, building out the financial intelligence unit there. Um, the financial intelligence unit at American Express first initially was focused on building out the, the AML program, mainly um, around suspicious activity reporting, so transaction monitoring, investigations, and ultimately reporting. Um, and then by the end of my tenure there, um, it became a global financial crimes compliance mm -hmm. team, right? So then it covered sanction screening and what I call the alphabet suit of AML, right. essentially. Um, before American Express, I was a prosecutor at the Manhattan DA's office um, for six and a half years. 
my my initial kind of goal in life at that point was um, to uh, prosecute sex crimes. Um, and so as you go into the Manhattan DA's office, your first three years, uh, you are uh, signed to misdemeanor court, um, and then everyone is, uh, man it's a mandate that you also have to take on um, and prosecute uh, and investigate domestic violence cases. Um, and after the three years, you go into grand jury training, um, and then you can kind of choose uh, more specific fields you want to focus on. So, so what's interesting to me is you're a lawyer. Yes. Lawyers don't understand data. They have no clue about data historically. Obviously, lawyers from from my generation. But by prosecuting sex crimes cases, that's a logical connection to the anti-trafficking stuff you're doing today. But what brought you to the data interest? Was it doing those crimes to begin with? Was that part of prosecuting those cases? How did you get from there? Obviously, it's clear when you're American Express, you're working with data, you're doing right. a lot of things, that, creating the, the, the financial crime centers and all that. That, right. that makes perfect sense. But the jump from Manhattan DA's office to American Express prior to delving into data, or were you using some data analysis back in, when the Manhattan DA's office? Yeah, um, so I actually think uh, at least prosecutors um, are very avail uh, familiar with data. I, I actually think it's something that is very innate um, in the thought process, okay. um, because I think of data as basically evidence, right? So when you're trying to bring a case, um, a lot of times in domestic violence or in sex crimes cases, and, and, and when you're prosecuting sex crimes cases, you're absolutely in the world of cybercrime. Um, and then that le led also to identity theft and, and money laundering and so on. But um, if you think about it, right, in building a case, you have to collect evidence. In understanding mm -hmm. what evidence to collect, it's about where's that video, where's the 911 call, who mm -hmm. was on that 911 call, what phone number called in, does that phone number actually corroborate the person that's on the call, right? So what you're doing essentially is putting together a ton of different data points from a lot of different sure. sources in order to tell a story. Um, and that is all data really is, and especially data in the space of financial crimes, right? Data is essentially different sources of evidence that help lead you to the truth. Um, and it's just how you think about, you know, bucketing it in your mind and, and, you know, understanding this data can help you prove this element of a crime, this data or evidence can help you prove another element of a crime. At the Manhattan DA's office while I was there, we created an identity theft and cybercrime unit, which is probably one of the first in the nation. And as I was getting more involved um, in prosecuting sex crimes, realized very quickly that there was a huge opportunity in the identity theft and uh, cybercrime space to kind of expand my knowledge um, and generally the knowledge uh, of all of the prosecutors in the office to think about alternative forms of evidence, which really manifested itself in electronic data points. Um, so we were very familiar with 911 calls and video feeds and ATM records and financial transactions, but as the internet and technology was really growing, right, this was, um, gosh, probably 15 years ago now, right? Um, different types of evidence was starting to come to the forefront, right? IP addresses, email addresses, uh, digital uh, information about people. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of start to create, you know, not just the real life person, but what does the person do and, you know, what is their digital kind of profile? So um, it, it all really, in my mind, you know, it's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah, it's absolutely. All, it's, all, yeah. it's all about what is the data, what is it telling you, um, and how do you 
really form those links and connections. So in the American Express years, uh, obviously um, you work with a, a colleague of ours, or, uh, he's now on the advisory board of, uh, of both ACAMS and uh, AML RightSource, and that's Rick Small. And I, I know uh, Rick and I and others, including yourself, were involved, I want to say five, six, seven years ago, a bit ago, where a number of bankers from the ground up basically said, like you have said, we need to do more in the anti-trafficking space. We actually think we have some data points. We euphemistically said red flags. And so we put a process together where analysts from a number of institutions worked with analysts at the time from Homeland Security, HSI folks, and came up with a series of uh, red flag indicators, which now seem sort of um, uh, obvious, but at the time did, you know, transactions after midnight, transactions in round numbers, credit cards, and you know, that sort of thing. So that was really positive, and um, it was clear to all of us that more could be done. And so to your point about technology and using tools, while there have been comparables out there, I think, to what Enigma is doing in terms of information sharing in general, I wasn't aware of any that are specific to trafficking other than what we just talked about. So walk us through the stat creation. I know we have, it has, I say we, because I'm you know, a small part of this with you as well. Uh, there's going to be a soft launch of this. There's going to be more at the uh, ACAMS conference coming up in Hollywood, and obviously more just in general. And this is a global issue, so it's not just U.S.-based. But take us through not just the thought process, but the development process of coming to um, Enigma, selling them small s on this. Right. Uh, and the thing I'm impressed the most is this is not a commercial product. This right. is... Uh, this is clearly uh, something that's going to be used by the private sector and, and hopefully we'll get to the end, end goal of more information and more use of data to report activity, prevent, prevention and detection, that sort of thing. Um, so before I got to Enigma, um, had uh, started to become a lot more involved um, in you know the collaborative um, working groups and things like that within the industry, and that's the public-private kind of information and intelligence sharing um, world, right? Um, and over time, you know, I really just internally got increasingly more frustrated um, by just the state of affairs. Um, we had so many professionals and pro people, law enforcement, private sector, you know, financial, people working in financial industries, really passionate and dedicated to wanting to do something um, around trying to better home rules and better detect instances of trafficking inside financial institutions. As everyone understands that this is a business, right? And we really want to disrupt this business and eliminate right. it. Um, so the frustration came because there was this wealth of information, people willing to, to help, but nobody really having the time to take a step back and coordinate an effort that would take us to that next level of sharing, right? In the world of Facebook and LinkedIn and, um, you know, Amazon, there's all this technology out there and yet we couldn't leverage it to just communicate with each other and to learn from each other uh, in a very seamless way, right? Nothing will take the place of in-person meetings and, you know, in-person collaboration sessions, but we certainly can help it along the way and when we get together, we can kind of move, you know, move the needle forward. Um, and so, you know, I think I really just had it in my mind that we needed to do something. I knew that the opportunity with Enigma was coming. Um, Enigma's core tenants and, and kind of key philosophy in the business 
first and foremost um, is generosity and then it's curiosity and then it's hustle. So the generosity piece really does drive um, a, big, a big part of the company um, because um, it is the, you know, it's the premise that there's data and information and, and shared intelligence is not something that should be sold, right? That's something that everyone should benefit from. And we should be thinking about how to leverage this type of information and collaborative information um, in a way that is useful to answer questions, right? Um, the thing that we should be charging for is are the really hard kind of problems, right, sure. to get to, you know, um, inside big companies. but information where people are coming together at the to a table and trying to say hey let's make this better and let's make this accessible so we can solve a really big problem um, is certainly not something that they want to commercialize um, and so the the focus of stat itself the platform itself um, as well as the core tenant of the company really um, really um, meshed very well um, and it was something that from the get-go they were very excited to be a part of and definitely saw the value in it understanding the power of bringing people and data and intelligence together uh, yeah I, I, can't, I can't get over that I mean I've, being somewhat of a cynic you, you always wonder what the end game is but certainly for what you've been able to share long before today uh, they are all in and I think that's really a tribute to people that understand, like you said, the value, the value of data. Um, how is STAT, in your mind, going to be different than what we've done previously? And like I said, what we've done, as you know, because you're part of it, what we did previously was we come up with these indicators, some more broad-based typologies, and shared those with the AML community, and hopefully people became more aware of uh, you know different activities that could the financial footprint which could lead to or could be indicators of trafficking so that already exists and there's been articles and all that kind of stuff how is this going to take us beyond that right um, it focuses on the way we share right mm -hmm. it's not necessarily what we're sharing because what we're sharing is what we share it's, right. you know, law enforcement has intel we have intel um, and actually John I think this was actually your your suggestion from from the outset um, which is let's understand what other people are doing first right and so literally I took that very literally and, and spent um, close to a year talking to nonprofit organizations, um, other technology, people who were in technology and were, you know, working in some space around um, the anti-trafficking space. Um, we talked to people who were leading working groups, talked to law enforcement, um, and understood what they were doing because, one, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. Right. We did not want to be doing creating something that someone else was already creating that defeats the purpose, right? Um, and so the, the whole you know, the whole purpose of STAT is to be able to compile and pull together all of the information that people have started to share in very ad hoc ways. So when I say that, I mean the way that we're sharing today is, you know, you either uh, can pick up the phone and call somebody and, you know, if you know someone in law enforcement, um, you can talk to them about what they're seeing. You go to a conference, you learn about indicators, um, and they're thrown up on a slide and you take a bunch of notes and maybe you take that back. Um, there are more formal ways of doing that in reports, 
toolkits um, and, and such, but it's all in PDF, it's all unstructured, it's all really hard to get to. And if you're a financial institution or a financial crimes investigator and you want to learn more, you have to one, know that the resource exists, two, read the resource and understand what it's saying, and three, think about how you apply that to your specific situation. So if you are a credit card company, for example, and you want to understand what all of the indicator, human trafficking indicators are related to credit cards, you have to read hundreds and hundreds of pages and spend a lot of time digging through that and understanding um, you know, how it applies to a credit card. So STAT creates um, a structured and unified central um, kind of I don't want to necessarily call it a database, but essentially it's a repository of all of these indicators, and so that we have one way of um, presenting that, and then therefore, you know, uh, allowing institutions um, and law enforcement to access them more readily and action them much more quickly. So the indicators, instead of being in PDF form, they'll be in an active platform that people that can then go in and say, I want to look at indicators relating to credit cards, and all of the trafficking indicators relating to credit cards will show up. Um, and then they'll be kind of structured in a way that they can understand what types of transactions, what types of interactions, and what types of behaviors they should be looking for inside their institution. So it's about the way we share and how that information is presented that allow institutions to much action it much faster. So would it be fair, um, my terminology, to call it a, a sophisticated aggregator? Yeah, I mean it's So basically you're taking things that already are out there but putting them, making them, again my words, searchable, Yes. more efficient to, to, to get access versus today, like you just said, they're all over the place. Right. And so, um, so, so again, not what we share, but how we share. Right, and then um, if you kind of work through that, um, the, the kind of the ability to grow that into a much more intelligence-related platform then becomes greater, right? Once we have all of those indicators in one place in a unified you know, uh, a format, we're not only now making it more efficient for, you know, law enforcement to speak to financial institutions and so on, um, but we then can understand if there are patterns across the banks and patterns across the indicators. Um, the This is not just, you know, uh, this is not meant to be kind of a one-way platform. All users of the platform can then also submit indicators, and so it, think of it as crowdsourcing, right? right. So people will then not only be able to access the indicators, they can upload indicators um, that will be within that format so it can be shareable immediately. And you'll get notifications if you're, you know, if you're a user on the platform that, you know, a new indicator has been uploaded and then you'll be able to access that and see that. Is there a parallel, because you and I talked about this and I wasn't sure, and I know you did some uh, research, is it, is it fair uh, to parallel this a bit to what the FSISAC is. I did a podcast a year or two ago with Bill Nelson, who was then the head of the mm -hmm. FSISAC, and obviously that was a place where you could both post uh, cyber attack issues and typologies and all of that. So it wasn't necessarily, it was some new stuff, mm -hmm. but it was also aggregating. And they would also put things on how to how to handle training, how to handle whatever something they have to do. So is it similar, do you think? Yeah, I think I, I think I think it is very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, obviously FSISAC is extremely sophisticated. Um, they've added a lot of different ways and channels for people to communicate. Um, we are starting at the most basic level um, at the 
this point, which is, um, you know, let's just get on the same, literally on the same page on one platform and one tool um, and share this information. And then as a community, um, we can understand where we're lacking and what we need, where we need to kind of, you know, focus our efforts. Um, but yes, very similar in the ability for people to see what's out there in the world of trafficking, how it applies to them, and then eventually we'll be able to be more concerted in the action that we as an industry are, are moving in. Uh, one thing that um, the public may, if they're interested in this, may ask, what's the privacy implications, if any, to the data that's being aggregated? Right. So we're not sharing any data. So I'm very, very, uh, I try to be very careful with saying mm -hmm. this is not a data sharing platform. Right. Um, this is an intelligence sharing platform. Mm -hmm. So all we're sharing at this point is uh, patterns and behaviors that are indicative of human trafficking learned from financial institutions, um, from law enforcement, and then actually we're learning about a whole new world of information through nonprofit organizations and other industries that are doing this very similar things. Um, so it's, you know, understanding that, you know, credit card transactions that are being seen at nail salons between the hours of 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. in duplicates, right, may be an indicator of trafficking. So we're literally sharing the intelligence aspect. Um, we really want to be very uh, broad-reaching in the beginning, so we want to make and, and also start to um, get people to understand, you know, uh, what it is we're doing. Well, this is, you know, I, I started calling this a brain trust within the financial institution because we are working very closely with financial institutions. And we are, um, <laughs> they're doing mic checks in the background. Yeah, they're doing mic checks, yeah. <laughs> Proof, um, proof that this is live. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the whole point is, uh, look, we, we're creating this for the industry, right? And, and it's only going to be as strong as... Oh, the law enforcement can use it as well, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. and by the way, that, that's a must. Right? Yes, sure, because sure. The other thing we hear a lot from law enforcement is we want to know what, what financial institutions see. We want to know what types of information you know they, they can share. Um, and this is a way for them to have insight into you know, how we think about indicators. Right. Um, and then, you know, as we grow this out, same with research, you know, government research agencies and nonprofits who are going out there and interviewing mm -hmm. victims and survivors and asking them, right, about um, financial transactions. So we're also bringing awareness to other people who are gathering real-time mm -hmm. information and intelligence to bring that back to the community. No, this is amazing, and again, appreciate you uh, navigating through the, the live nature of what we do. We are, we're always live, but the, like I said up front, it's typically uh, the outside uh, forces don't, don't uh, impact us. Those that want more information about STAT, again, we're going to there'll be a soft launch and there'll be a major launch. Where can they go, and what sort of uh, last thoughts do you have regarding because this is excellent we're going to do more on this once this is up and running we'd love to talk to users of this with you uh, you know sort of directing us and seeing how it's working because I think we can use this vehicle this particular program uh, and we'll blog about this as well and to get more people understanding what I and you know and that is that the private sector in the financial sector is so committed to anti-trafficking that this is just yet another um, solution created because they knew there was both a need and an interest. And mm -hmm. I think Enigma deserves a ton of credit for this. We're going to get as many 
financial institutions involved as we can, but where can people get more information and any any last thoughts sure. on this? Sure. Um, so um, we did launch a microsite at STAT, so that's S-T-A-T dot Enigma, E-N-I-G-M-A dot com. So that's STAT dot Enigma dot com. Great. Um, and that's a public website. You can learn all about the the program itself. And then um, at the bottom, there's a lot of resources. A lot of great information um, there. Yeah. yeah. And then at the bottom, um, you can sign up and request access to the platform. And it's in a gray box that says request access. Um, I guess parting thoughts would be, you know, what kind of what I just said. This is made for the financial crimes community that is seeking to disrupt and end human trafficking um, financially. And it is only as strong as and will only grow um, as much as the industry allows us to. Um, we've got an amazing traction. We've got 15 financial institutions that have been heavily right. um, you know, participating in the development of it. Um, the most I can ask for right now is get on the platform um, or request access to it, learn about it, and give us as much feedback as possible and use it. Right? It's only as strong as the people who are going to be contributing to it. It's great stuff. Um, we will also put a link on our site so people can uh, go there, but obviously go to the stat site that uh, Angel just mentioned. And I would just say to the those out there that are in the AML community, learn as much as you can in addition to what you already know about human trafficking. There's so much that continues to go on. Um, virtually every conference we've participated in, there's always a session on this, and we're past awareness. Now it's doing, right. trying to figure things out. But thanks both for organizing and leading this effort, but for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Stat.enigma.com is where you'll find information about the platform. There will be resources posted there as well. AMLRightSource.com is also the website uh, for you to utilize a number of resources that we have provided in this area and a number of other areas connected to sanctions, to uh, financial crime, and obviously all as aspects of money laundering. There'll be uh, podcasts and blogs and all sorts of information provided there, so we uh, urge you to take a look at that when you get a chance. But on the STAT program, there'll be a soft launch, as, as we mentioned, and a bigger uh, campaign later on uh, in the year. Uh, very pleased to be able to sit down with uh, Angel today and you know the hope is um, going forward that we can give you updates on this program and continue to emphasize the importance of participation. As an AML community we only succeed if we can share information and share best practices, recommendations, strategies and this is one clear area where uh, this becomes uh, particularly important. I would be remiss if I didn't mention, and obviously the other organizations that have done so much work in this space, uh, Polaris being one, up in Canada, the Project Protect folks uh, have also done a tremendous amount of work, the banks and law enforcement working together. This is an area that we uh, continue to be challenged by, and as technology improves, the criminals sadly have more ways of uh, moving money, but we also should have additional ways of disrupting what they do. So. Um, Hopefully you've learned a lot today. Hopefully you'll have a chance to go on the websites uh, and uh, sign up for these programs, get additional information for your managers and your boards, and uh, let's continue to work as hard as we can on this. This is John Byrne for AML Conversations, and we will talk to you next time.